Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being in the house. Turn to your neighbor, tell him one last time, happy Thanksgiving. <clears throat> you know, you could be anywhere right now. You could be at home sleeping off your turkey-induced comas, but you decided to drag yourselves out uh, to be in church. And I, I know God is smiling down. He's grateful that you're here. And, uh, you know, I hope your Thanksgiving went well. I just, you know, I got to brag. I had the best sashimi I've ever had in my life. Um, it was amazing. Um, and then I went to Genki Sushi last night. Ruined it. Can never eat at Genki ever again. It's like the sashimi I had, and I don't know what that was I ate last night. And I spent like $100 on it. Anyway, it was crazy. It was Genki's expensive. Anyway, welcome to church. Those of you watching online, um, you know, if you got football on one side and church on the other side, your team's going to lose. I'm just saying. Because um, everybody else made it here to church. <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for. And, you know, Thanksgiving is supposed to remind us, as Pastor Russell said, of all the things that we, we ought to be grateful for. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've had many times in my life where I can't think about a ton of stuff to be thankful for. Anybody been in that place where you're just going through stuff and everything, you know, instead of being the world is not colorful, it's just gray because there's just a lot going on in life. And I thought it might be kind of kind of fun to just kind of put ourselves back in our kids' shoes and what they may be thankful for. And so I found a few things uh, that just kind of remind us of things we ought to be grateful for. So go to the first picture. I love this one because little kids, they just warm your heart, don't they? Uh, but this, this kid said on the left, I'm thankful for my mommy. The kid on the right said my daddy and my family. But I love this kid in the middle. I'm thankful for my new scissors. Come on, somebody. Do you remember when you got that new scissors and you were just like, man, this is the best thing in the world? Oh, kids, they're awesome. How about this next one? This kid said he's thankful for snowmen, daddy, and quesadillas. (laughs) I'm thankful for quesadillas too. I love this next one. This kid says, I'm thankful for my mommy, and at the bottom, and the other kid said, cookies. But this is my all-time favorite. I love this one. Right in the middle, I'm thankful for mommy wiping my poop. Come on, we need to give a hand to all the mommies and daddies that wipe poop out there. I'm glad that all my kids are old enough that I hopefully I don't ever have to touch children's poop for a very, very long time till I have grandkids. But, you know, I was just thinking, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you're just grateful for the little things. Scissors, cookies, quesadillas. Um, but as we get older, you know, life gets more complicated. Isn't that true? And we stop being as grateful as we ought to be. And in fact, you know, when we just think about like the day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, which tells you all the things you don't have and you need to go buy because it's now on sale. It just makes us dissatisfied with life. And, and sometimes it can be difficult to be grateful for the simple things. And it, it can be difficult to have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving in this world that is so complex and consumer-driven. And um, especially when things get hard. As I said, I've been in many times, and I'm sure many of you have, where you can't think of a ton of stuff to be thankful for. But I'm reminded that if nothing else goes the way that we want here on earth, we can be thankful for the gospel. Amen. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins to save you and me from eternal separation from God for eternal life in heaven. And if you're a guest here this morning, that's what church is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. That this God loves us so much that he left heaven to come to earth to give his life on the cross for us so that we can have eternal life in heaven. And if there's nothing else to be grateful for this side of heaven, We should be grateful that there is another side that we will live forever in heaven with him. Can I hear an amen, somebody? How about we give thanks to our God for his great love for us in sending his son, Jesus. Amen and amen. And you know, sometimes I need to be reminded of that. In the midst of the trials of life, the hardships of life, the storms that come, is that no matter what happens, 
we have eternal life in Christ because of God's great love for us. He's a good God, amen? He is a faithful God. And maybe you're, you're just joining us for the first time or you're new to this whole church thing. God loves you too. He's not just for a certain group of people. He loves you. And if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have died on the cross for you because he loves you just that much. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we give thanks to every single day, as, as Russell said. But as we get older, we tend to forget that. And so my first thought here this morning for us is that Christians or you and I ought to live with a heart of thanksgiving for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ. If there's nothing else to be thankful for, let us thank him for that. Amen. And we should always live in the light of that gratitude that God loved us first. And because he first loved us, he calls us then to live in in the light of that, to live in response of being loved and being saved by an amazing, amazing God. And this gratitude should motivate us to live beyond ourselves. That's what this series has been about. This gratitude should motivate us to live beyond ourselves to being a blessing in the lives of others. And we've been in this series entitled Beyond because as we've said all throughout the series that just as much as the holiday season should be a joyful time and a time of rejoicing, it's also a very difficult time for a lot of people. As we've said, psychologists tell us, and, and I was talking to a police officer this, this past weekend, that everyone knows that it's during the holiday season that substance abuse goes up, domestic abuse goes up, suicides go up, divorces go up. Basically, every negative thing in society, people in, that, in, the, in the professional community know, man, it's going to get bad during the holiday season. And as I shared last week, just last week, I heard from three different people in our, in our church that, of people that they know that have killed themselves in just the last 10 days. This is a very difficult time for a lot of people. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a difficult time. I want you to know something. God loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not here by accident. You're not on this planet by accident, nor are you in this room or watching online by accident. God loves you and he's not done with you yet. He has a plan that he wants to yet fulfill in your life. And we're grateful and we want to be a part of helping you discover what that is. And finding the love of God and the purpose of God for your life. That's why this church exists. Can I hear an amen, Pearlside Church? Don't go through life alone. Don't go through suffering alone. Don't go through pain alone. That's why we're here and churches all around the world are here. But because this gratitude that we have for the gospel should motivate us then to love other people. If we've received hope from Jesus, then then the gratitude for that hope that we've received should cause us to want to extend that out to others. It'd be very selfish to keep it to ourselves, wouldn't it? And that's why we're here, and that's what this series has been about. And that, that the hope of the gospel can't stay with us, but must go beyond us. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, beyond. It must go beyond us. Our opening passage here this morning <clears throat> came right after Jesus rose from the dead. You see, he called his shot. That's what I love about Jesus. He said, okay, here's what's going to happen. They're going to kill me, and then on the third day, I'm going to come back, okay? What's the proof that you are the son of God? I'm going to come back from the dead. That's a pretty good sign, right? So on the third day, after he came back from the dead, he told his disciples something very important. Basically, he called them to live beyond themselves. He said, you've seen me alive. See, I told you I'm the son of God. I told you eternal life is in me. And he immediately tells them, now you got to go live beyond yourself for people that are beyond you. Here's what he said in Acts chapter 1, 8. We'll just read a small portion of it this morning. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is, 
what, what is the outcome of this resurrection, this new life that you have? Is you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness? Now, if you're in a court of law, a witness is someone that testifies to an event, right? Something that they saw, something that they heard, something that they know. They stand up in front of a court or whatever it is and testify. This is what I've experienced. And when Jesus says you're going to be my witnesses, we are called to testify to the reality of Jesus Christ to his love, his resurrection, the reality of the gospel. But we're not just called to testify about it. We're called to demonstrate by our lives the reality of this gospel, by how we live, by how we treat one another, and and et cetera, et cetera. But I love what he says here. You're going to be my witnesses. That's the whole point. Not that you just, here I am, I'm back, I'm alive. See, I told you now, let's all go to heaven and have a party. No, he says, no, 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 now you're going to go and be my witnesses. And then he specifies kind of the scope of this. He said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city that they were in at the time. And then Judea, which was the region that they were in. Samaria, the nation next door, or actually people that you don't really like too much. That's a whole other message for another day. And then he extended it even further to the ends of the earth, the whole planet. See, we're not just called to be witnesses to our families as much as we are called to do that or even our neighborhoods, but our cities, the nation, and the nations beyond. Can I hear an amen to that? See, because Jesus is alive, we can't just keep this message to ourselves in our, in our own soul. We got to go beyond to our family and even beyond our family to our neighborhood and beyond that to the nations beyond. And that's got to be the heart of every single one of us. And that's what this series is about. Now, this is why Pearlside exists. It's why when Pastor Norman, and by the way, Pastor Norman Cedar right over there. How about say hello to Pastor Norman? You, we don't get to see him all the time. He's back. <clears throat> he was just sharing in the earlier service. He just got back from freezing in Lake Tahoe, 19 degrees. See, we're freezing at 69 degrees. <laughs> I woke up this morning and said, I'm so cold. I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, 19 degrees is a whole other level. But, um, but this is why he planted this church 28 years ago. God spoke to him that we're called to plant churches, to plant this church so that we can plant churches locally, nationally, and globally. It's why, it's why we exist. We could easily just say, no, we're going to keep the gospel to ourselves and build a nice community church and just, you know, hug each other and encourage one another forever. But that's not the heart of Christ. He told his disciples right away, no, you need to go to the ends of the earth to share this love with people that don't yet know me. Now, to do this, <clears throat> we have to all be equipped and sent And so I love what the Apostle Paul writes here in in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, I love that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he goes on, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? See, salvation isn't an automatic thing. Not everyone on the planet is automatically saved. In fact, the opposite is true. We are separated from God because of our sins. The only way that we become into a relationship with God is through believing in him, through hearing the gospel and believing the gospel. That's why we have to preach it. We can't just assume, okay, everyone's going to be fine. You know, everyone goes to the same place when they die. No, that's not true because there was only one savior who died on the cross. There was only one person who defeated sin and death. His name is Jesus. There's only one person seated at the right hand of the father. His name is Jesus. Therefore, it's only at the name of Jesus that we're saved. But I've got good news for you. Jesus is extending his arms to everyone but they need to believe in him. We needed to believe in him, right? He says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? So people need to hear the gospel so they can believe in him. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So someone's got to go beyond themselves, beyond their borders to proclaim the truth so that people can believe and be saved. Verse 15, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so our heart has to be, because this is the heart of Christ, that every person would come to believe in him. Therefore, as Christ's followers, we need to be willing to go beyond ourselves to extend the gospel, to share the gospel with those that don't yet know him. And, you know, if you've been a part of ProSide for a while, you hear this a lot. You hear us talk about this a lot. And someone once asked me, he said, you know, why is ProSide all about mission, you know, and like reaching out and all that? And I said, I thought to myself, you know, that's a good question. But then I realized it sure seemed to be important to Jesus, didn't it? When you read the Bible, you can't escape it. And if it's important to him, it needs to be important to us. Can I hear an amen to that? It needs to be. And the automatic default of all of our soul is to just turn inward. That's just the default. I know for me, I, you leave me by myself, oh man, I'd be the most selfish person on the planet. I'm just thinking about myself, watching the shows I want to watch, doing the things that I want to do. I don't care about nobody else. Thank God that the, the Bible smacks me in the face every time I read it and says, stop being so selfish. It's not about you. Now I'm trying to slap my kids around so that they, they, they don't get selfish because I don't literally, by the way, okay, you're like, oh, somebody call somebody. No, no, no. Metaphorically speaking, because I know that the natural tendency is to just be selfish and inward. And so here, right at the beginning, Jesus said, no, no, you got to go. You got to go tell people. The Apostle Paul reiterates it over and over. No, no, it's about telling people the good news of the gospel. But we need to be equipped and sent out to do that. And that's one of the things, reasons why ProSide exists, so that we can all be prepared to share the gospel in every context that the Lord would send to us. And, you know, that's why ProSide, you know, we're not here to be a show. We're not here to impress you. We're here to train. And that's why sometimes you'll see people on the stage that you're like, man, what's that person doing up there? Because we're training. No, it's not, not an attack on Russell. Russell did a great job. He's awesome, by the way. You know, but, but sometimes we're going to have, have a guy who, on, on Friday night. Nick, he shared his testimony last week. We I asked him, hey, can you help host our Friday night service? He's like, man, I'm going to throw up when I get up there. I was like, great. Throw up so that people will come to church to see what that guy's going to do next. <laughs> this week he throws up. Next week he's going to pass out. I don't care. If that gets someone through the doors to hear the message of the gospel, let's do it. But I want to equip him and help him. And he's like, okay, if that's what, if that's what it takes for people to come to Jesus, watch me embarrass myself, I'm down. <laughs> and he hasn't thrown up or passed out yet. I mean, so we're, we're good. But, but, you know, because we want to equip us, because we're called to be sent out, every single one of us in different ways, shapes, or forms, to make a difference in the lives of others. And here's just a quick commercial break. I want to highly encourage you to consider in 2023, next year, just a few months from now, really, but to make 2023 a, a, a goal to go through all of our equipping classes that we have. Um, we, we have our growth track, we have our discipleship track, our freedom weekend classes, um, because we need to be equipped and re-equipped to share the good news of the gospel. Can I hear an amen to that? And our team, we're working hard, we're, we're revising stuff, we're, we're just making it better, we're constantly tweaking it. So some of you may be saying, man, I did that back in 1994, you know, I don't need to do that again. I did all that stuff in 98, was good, you know. But you know what, I realized something. You don't just go to the dentist once in your life, do you? I was sharing this at our Men's Freedom Weekend, I had a dentist sitting like right in front of me. And I said, yeah, you need to go to the dentist at least once a year. He went, mm-mm, six months, bro. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, you're supposed to go to the dentist every six months? Don't look at my teeth, obviously, okay? But we go regularly because we need a regular checkup. We need regular cleanings. We need regular adjustments. Isn't that true? Okay, so some of you are like elbowing your neighbor, bro. You need to go to the dentist, huh? Yeah, you might, okay? But the similar with, with our, our, our classes, you can't just go once in your life. We need to go over and over again to get renewed and reminded of the fundamentals because we need to be able to share it with somebody else. 
And here's just a, a true axiom. You don't know something unless you can share it with somebody else. If you can't teach it with confidence, then you don't really know it. And, and the other thing that's true is if you're not bored of it yet, then you don't really know it. So you need to go to something over and over and over till you get it in you, till we get it in us so that it's coming out of our ears and we can't stop ourselves from sharing it. That's when we know it's really taking root in our own soul. So just as much as we need to go to the dentist every six months to get things readjusted, we need to hear the word of God taught, especially at the fundamental level, periodically. I would dare to say every couple of years at least to make sure that the foundations are laid. So let's make it a goal in 2023, maybe, to go through these things again, to get the foundation laid again. Not just so that I know this stuff, but so that I can help somebody else to know the life-giving power of the Word of God. We're here to train, and, you need, and, and all of us need to be continually trained so that we can be sent out. You know, we, had a, a lot, we have a lot of great things that have been happening and are happening. I just want to give you some updates on that because we're called to plant sites and churches so that the gospel can be extended beyond. This, earlier this year, we planted our, our latest church, uh, Pearlside Church in Kaneohe, pastored by Pastor Key and Chanel Omo. I think we have a picture of them on screen there. Um, but this is Pastor Key and Chanel. Uh, they started off as a site, a congregation out in Kaneohe for a long time, and they were growing, reaching new families. And again, that's why we, we, we plant churches and, and sites, because, you know, not everyone is going to be willing to drive all the way from Kaneohe or from Hawaii Kai or wherever, wherever it is, you know. It's, sometimes it's just too far. But if it's the church is in their neighborhood, in their neck of the woods, they're more likely to go. And so immediately when we planted the Kaneohe site, families that would have never came here started going there getting saved, lives being changed, marriages being healed, people being set free from different things. And Pastor Key and Chanel are doing such an amazing job. And in February, we officially planted them as a church, a standalone church, and they've been growing and they're getting ready to plant something new themselves. And we're just so excited for what they're doing. But, I, but the reason why this is so important, again, is because there are people that would never come here as comfortable as these seats are, as great as the air conditioning is, as great as the preaching is. The awkward laughter is not encouraging, I just want to say. Um, but, but they'll go there. They'll go there because it's in, their it's in their neighborhood. See, that's why we do this. That's why we plant. It's why we extend, right? We also have several more uh, gatherings that we believe are going to turn into sites in the near future. In Nanakuli, we've shared this uh, before, but Moku and Sierra Kukonu are doing a tremendous job with their team out in Nanakuli, the west side. West side? <clears throat> And, you know, I just saw over Thanksgiving, they had a whole bunch of community outreaches where they were ministering to people on the beach in their community, just being a tremendous blessing on social media, hearing testimonies of lives being touched out there. Some of those folks will never make it here. And we can't say, well, we got a church in Pearl City. Why do we need more? But because there's people, there's a lot more people that need the gospel. Amen. And we can't just be content and comfortable, but we need to extend ourselves. And so Sierra and Moku were, used to come here at 11.15, and they said, no, we're going to plant a church in our, in our hometown, in our neighborhood. And in their home, they laid concrete. Moku is a bivocational contractor, laid concrete in his backyard, put up chairs, put up all this kind of stuff, and the neighborhood and the community are coming, and people's lives are being touched. I love that. And you know what I love about Moku? He's not a pastor. He's a, he's a marketplace guy. And I love what Pastor Norman said, in the, in the day he works in the marketplace and at night he puts on his cape and he comes out as a minister of the gospel, amen? And he's, and he's touching lives with him and his team out there. Right now they're meeting twice a month, but they're believing to go more regularly uh, as time progresses. But they're reaching people, and that's the ex most exciting thing. In Liliha, we have uh, Pastor uh, Kevin and Mari Asano. And if you know who Kevin Asano is, he's a former Olympic silver medalist in judo. And, uh, you know, so he, he in, out of his judo club, 
Uh, he throws people around and then preaches the gospel to them. You know what I mean? Like just, boom, you need Jesus. But I love that. He, he, he's a marketplace guy. He works in finance. He owns several uh, judo clubs. And he's using one of his judo clubs in Liliha now as a gathering place. I think we have a picture there. They gather for judo. Again, he beats them up and then proclaims the gospel to them. And we're believing. We're believing that that's going to turn into a site in the near future. Because again, there are a lot of people there that would never come here. But they'll go there because Kevin Asano is a legend in that community. And, and he has tremendous, tremendous open doors there. And I love Ke- Pastor uh, Kevin. He's a, he's a bivocational guy. He works in the marketplace, and he still says, God, use me to make a difference. I love it. In Mililani, we got coming up very shortly, uh, led by uh, Liko and Nikki Cruzi, uh, a, a site, uh, a gathering right now in the Mililani area. Because similarly, there are people in the Mililani North Shore community that would never make it here. But they're saying there's people there that we want to reach. It's starting out as a, as a gathering right now. They're meeting monthly. They got a bunch of small groups going on. And we're believing that's going to turn into something real soon to reach people in the Mililani community. Liko and Nikki are both bivocational as well. They work during the day and they put on their minister's cloaks at night. And they go and make a difference in the lives of others. But not just locally, nationally. You know, we've talked, this, talked about this. We have a site now in Tacoma or a gathering in Tacoma, Washington. Mark and Ruth Young. Uh, they, they, they left earlier this year, or didn't, actually just a few months ago, to be on the ground there in Tacoma. They started off with 50 people over Zoom, and that 50 people now is meeting in person, and they're believing God for that thing to continue to grow. They got a great location at Tacoma Community College, and there are people there that God is going to touch. Already, God is touching through them, extending themselves beyond their borders. See, all of these folks could stay here and be real comfortable. They could stay here and just enjoy the great air conditioning, the great seats, the great preaching. Amen. But they decided, no, 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 God's called us. We have to extend beyond ourselves. We have to extend beyond our comfort zones to make a difference in the lives of other people. And then globally, we just sent out Corey and Sonia Alimaza to Thailand, to Bangkok, Thailand. Well, they sent themselves so proud of them. And I shared this before. I tried to convince them to stay. You know, I did. I was like, Corey, please be, just be our worship leader. We need Sonia in the office. Don't leave us. And they said, sorry, Pastor Billy, we love you, but we got to go. And you know, my, my thing is always, if I can talk you out of it, I, I should, but I couldn't talk them out of it. The call of God was burning in them. They said, we have to go because there's people there that God's called us to reach. I said, then you got to go. As sad as we are going to be to lose you, you got to go. And, you know, maybe God is burning something in you. Maybe it's not to go overseas or to another nation, but even just to your neighbors. We can't ignore that call, amen? We have to be obedient because at the end of the day, that's what God's looking for in us because there are people, there are lives that God is calling us to reach everywhere we go. All of us can go somewhere. There's a, there's a people that God's called every single one of us to. If you're a Christian today, again, and you have the hope of Jesus Christ, there is a people that God is calling you to go to. Make no mistake of that. Jesus didn't give the Great Commission in Matthew 28 just to some people. That's to all people. And we can't say, well, that's somebody else's job. Okay, I'm glad they're doing all those people. On the street, I'm so glad that they're doing that so I can just sit at home and watch football. No, no, no. There's a people that you're called to go to. Maybe it's not to Thailand, but maybe it's to across the street. Maybe it's to your neighbor. Maybe it's to someone in your own household or the coworker in the cubicle that you don't like. Maybe God's calling you to go across the cubicle. Amen. But there's someone that we're called to go to. All of us can go and all of us can sow beyond our borders. And I love what the Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says this, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. This is the law of sowing and reaping. 
And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he, verse 10, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's pause right there. The Apostle Paul is making a point here, and he's using the analogy of sowing and reaping. So sowing, you sow seed into the ground, right? They were an agricultural society. And after you sow seed in the ground, what happens? A crop comes up, right? And out of that crop will come fruit where there are more seeds in that fruit, and you can continue to sow and reap even more crops. You follow what I'm saying? And so what he's saying is if you sow sparingly or you're stingy with the sowing, then you're going to reap stingily, right? If you just plant one seed in the ground, have you ever did that, and that thing doesn't grow, then you don't have anything later on, right? But if you plant multiple seeds in the ground, you'll get multiple plants and multiple fruits and multiple harvests. You follow the, the metaphor. Here's what he's saying. We're all called to sow generously into the kingdom of God. And as we said before, it, with our time, our treasure, and our talents, we can't withhold that. The more we sow, the more that we will reap. But here's what I love in this passage. He says, now to him who supplies the seed to the sower, where does it all come from in the first place? It comes from God. God supplies us everything that we have so that we can sow. And here's his promise that we will reap even more so that we can continue to sow. Here's the point. All of us can go, but not all of us can go to different places in the world and do different things. We all have a different calling, different limitations, et cetera, et cetera. But all of us can can, can go through our giving. And as we've said at the beginning of this series, you know, this t- today we're going to be receiving a, a legacy offering, something that we call our legacy offering, because we're believing that through this, you know, it takes funds to do all the stuff that we talked about, right? It takes money to do that. We're believing that God is going to use this to multiply his kingdom all around the world. And the more that we sow, the more the Bible says that we will reap so that we can continue to be generous on all occasions. Here's what I love here, verse 12. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. In other words, people are getting saved. Lives are getting touched. Thanksgiving to God is coming out in these different communities because of the generosity of the people of God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Others will praise God for our obedience in being generous. And, you know, sometimes, again, we often think about, you know, this, here's the stuff that I need, the stuff that I got to have, and God, you got to provide for me. But here's the truth. With whatever seed we have, if we sow that, God will multiply it and bring it back. I'll give you, give you a quick example. You know, as much as we celebrate Mark and Ruth <clears throat> for, you know, helping to start the Tacoma site in, in Washington, to me, the real heroes are, a different, are another couple that does, don't often get talked about. Uh, the, the couple in our church by the name of Josh and Malin Vidding. Now, Josh and Malin Vidding, you probably don't know about them. We have a picture of Josh and Malin. But they, uh, Josh, is a, he's a, a psychiatrist uh, in the Army and he, he sometimes works in, in Washington State, and so he has, a, he has a place in Washington, he has a place here. Uh, but when he heard about our, our, us trying to start some stuff in Washington, immediately they got involved. 
and they, they attend our Kapolei congregation right now. And uh, they started sending themselves, first of all, flying back and forth up to Washington, leading small groups, doing outreaches, meeting with people. And then they started paying to fly some of our team members from Hawaii up to Washington. He started paying for their plane flights and getting them up there so that we could start this thing. They actually, they put their money where their mouth is. Not just, oh yeah, that's a great thing, but they said, we're going to go physically and we're going to sow financially to help make this thing happen. They even rented one of the first halls that our, our, our congregation there met in or the, and, uh, and put it together, or there's Josh and Malin and me and Naomi. Anyway, um, and they started they started doing that, and they they said we're going to do whatever it takes to make this thing get off the ground, and they have, and they continue to do that. And here's what I love about that: they sent themselves, they sent their finances, and they're saying whatever it takes to see people reach, we're going to do that. And you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Josh is a doctor, of course he can do that. You know, I mean, if I was a doctor, you know, I, I would do that too. But here's the thing: I know I've known Josh for almost 20 years. He was generous when he had nothing. Grew up in Waianae, you know, literally, I remember the car he drove when we were in college. That thing was a death trap, man. It was an old Dodge Caravan, literally zip ties holding things together, duct tape. I mean, right, Michelle? You know, that thing was scary. He said, oh, I'll pick you up. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'll pick you up. We'll go to campus together. No, no. I mean, duct tape on the seats. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> he would take spoiled milk and turn it into cheese. It was disgusting. Anyway, but that, that's what he would do. But he was generous when he had nothing. I saw him treating kids to lunch, taking care. I mean, this is one of the most generous people you've ever met. And here's what I know. I know God saw that and he said, if you can be faithful with that little bit of seed, I can bless you with more. And he's one of the most generous people I know, he and his wife, Malin. They give to missions, they give to ministry, like I just shared. I mean, so many things. They're just generous with their lives. And you know what I've observed over the years, and Pastor Norman, I, I know you can attest to this, the people that are generous with their lives, God is generous to them. That's just a reality. But people that are stingy with their lives, God's kind of stingy with them. The more we can, and that's the principle of sowing and reaping. That's the passage we just read. We sow, the Lord gives us more so that we can continue. And that's Joshua Malin. Man, I love it. So as much as we celebrate Mark and Ruth, and we should because they're sacrificing a lot too, man, Josh and Malin, they're the heroes behind the scenes that you almost never hear about. But they were faithful when they had a little, and now they're even more faithful with a lot. And I don't know where you're at in your life. We need to be faithful with what God has given us, amen, and to sow into the kingdom of God and watch as God returns unto us. Just as Jesus went above and beyond for us, we must do the same for others. Think about it. He left everything. He left the comforts of heaven. I don't know if I would be able to leave heaven to come down to earth. First century earth, by the way. No running water, right? I mean, God, I would have came now at least, you know, so I can get like a robots to serve me or something. You know what I mean? He came in the first century. It's a horrible time. But he came then to give his life for us. And it's with that heart that he calls us now to love other people. He said this in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. And as you do that, the Lord is faithful. There's a story I heard. I shared this last week at our 11:15 service, but I want to share it with us. Because one of the things that I think holds us back, or at least holds me back, from giving of myself, whether it's time, treasure, talents, is I always feel like, but what about me? Yeah? Anybody ever felt like that? I would give, but man, I got, I got my own issues. I would help that person, but I got my own thing. I would, I would spend some time with that, but I, I, got, I, I got so much going on in my life. But there's a spiritual principle that the more that we give, the more that we receive. That's just, that's just the truth. 
A story that I heard um, that I think illustrates this. A professor, during a university lecture, <clears throat> a professor gave a balloon to every student. They had to inflate them and write their names on each balloon and throw them into the hallway outside the lecture theater. I think we have a picture of that. Um, but the, the hallway was filled with all of these balloons with each student had written their names on it. The professor then told the students, you have five minutes to find your own balloon in the mess of balloons all out there. Students all ransacked the hallway looking for their name on their balloon. And, and as if after five minutes elapsed, no one could find their balloon. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, it's almost impossible to find your balloon in that. So he said, instead, he said, take the first balloon that you find and hand it to the person whose name is written on it. So now everyone picked up the first balloon they found, saw whose name was written on it, and gave it to that person. Within five minutes, everyone had their own balloon back. The professor told the students, these balloons are like your happiness. We'll never find it if everyone is looking for their own. But if we care about other people, we'll find our own too. See, I think there's a spiritual principle here, that all of us are just looking for our own balloon. How can I find my fulfillment? How can I find my purpose? How can I serve my own needs and my families and all that? And we're just digging through and often stepping on one another to get there, right? But what if we just stopped and picked up the first balloon and said, oh, this is yours. Let me help you. Oh, this is yours. Let me help you. Oh, this is yours. Let me help you. And we all started serving one another and meeting the needs that we find all around us. Eventually, we'll find our own balloon as well. But oftentimes, we're, all, we're more caught up with just our own stuff and our own needs and we miss out on the principle of sowing into someone else's life and the blessing that comes from that. Eventually, it'll return to us. And I want to close with this story. Uh, one of the people that has encouraged my faith the most in this area is a, a guy by the name of Pastor Darren Laws. And we had him speak here uh, many years ago. He's one of Pastor Norman's really good friends. Pastor Norman was just with him actually in Lake Tahoe. Uh, that's where he was freezing, 19 degrees. There you go, it's Pastor Norman and Pastor Darren there. Um, in 2011, God called Pastor Darren to leave his, his church uh, in California and to go and plant a church in the Bay Area and literally packed up all of their stuff in a trailer, drove down to the Bay Area of California and uh, with, with, with almost no money, saw their things in, in, a, in a trailer, um, leaving a secure job to go and do that. Now, how many of you know it's going to take a word of God to, to leave security to go and do something crazy and outlandish, right? Well, he did that. To make a really long story short, someone he met at a diner said, man, you know, we've been following you. I've been watching your career as a minister. And to make a really long story short, ended up blessing him with 20 acres of land and a church, not that picture, but uh, 20 acres of land in, in San Ramon, California, where they have a church. And that thing is just an amazing blessing. But that's not the end of the story. Over the years, another person said, we've been watching you, your faithfulness, your faith in Christ. And he was gifted, him and his son Sam, 60 acres of land in Northern California with a school and a, an amazing church property, just gifted. And they said the same thing, we've been watching you and we want to give you this land so that you can continue to do what God is calling you to do. Fast forward to this last trip Pastor Norman went on. Uh, Pastor Darren's vision was to have a place where he could, he could host pastors and, and, and equip and, and minister to pastors and ministers. And um, he was almost 
essentially gifted this property in Lake Tahoe. Now you can show up the picture. This beautiful house in Lake Tahoe where he can host pastors and leaders and ministers and encourage their faith and build them up. Now you can throw up the picture. The really nice one that everyone went, wow. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> and you know what? As, as Pastor Norman was sharing me this story, I said, man, this guy is something else. First of all, he left everything that he had to obey the will of God. Almost no savings, almost no retirement. And within 10 years, the Lord has blessed them now with almost 90 acres of land to do the will of God and to fulfill the will of God. How many of you know God can do anything? Amen. How many of you know God can do anything? He's watching. Just as much as these pastors and these other leaders that own this property, that gave it to him, were watching him, God is watching. Amen. How we steward and how we're faithful to what we have. Because it's just take, it could just take a moment for God to bless and return and to give. But he, here's, here's what he's always watching for. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with what I bless you with? See, one of the reasons why I, I, I believe God could trust Pastor Darren with so much of a blessing and an inheritance is because he was faithful with the little. And as he sowed in the little, God gave him more. And you know what? It, it wasn't just because he was faithful. He was faithful even in difficult times. He wasn't just faithful when things are easy but faithful through suffering. Both of his parents are now in the latter years of their life and are struggling with various ailments. His wife has uh, multiple sclerosis and has been battling with that for many years. He has a son with cerebral palsy. And you know what? Sometimes we can go, you know what? I'm going through a lot. I can't extend beyond myself to anybody else. I'm going through a lot right now. And most people, we'd understand that. Here's what I love about Pastor Darren. He said, no, I'm still going to live beyond myself. I'm still going to give beyond myself. I'm still going to be faithful. And I think God said, man, that's a person I can trust with all of this because he's not going to use it for himself. What about us this morning? I don't know about you. I feel challenged by that because I know myself. Like I said, if you leave me to myself, I'll be a very selfish dude. But every time I read the Bible, it smacks me in the face and says, stop it. Stop it. Don't live in fear. Don't hoard I know the economy is bad right now and you're tempted to hoard. I get it. I feel it. I want to buy some extra food and stash it in my basement too. I get the pressure and the feeling. But here's the reality. God owns it all. Amen. God is the one that that supplies the seed to the sower and bread. Right? He's the one. We just have one job. One thing we need to do is stay faithful to him. And in a moment, God can bless you with land. In a moment, God can bless you with a house. In a moment, God can change your fortunes. Oh, and by the way, after he planted that church in San Ramon, California, he started getting a bunch of NFL football players into his church. Derek Carr, one of them, Zach Ertz, some of you know the name, many others. They were living in a rented house for many years. And these, these NFL players said, no, you know what? We're going to bless you. And they bought them. It was a $3 million house, $2 million house, $2.5 million house. He started with nothing. And in a moment, God can snap his fingers and make something happen. In a moment. Don't think that the economy is bigger than God. Amen? Don't think that external circumstances are bigger than God. Oh, but what if there's a war? Don't think that that's bigger than God neither. Because in a moment, God can snap his fingers and turn things around. And I've been watching Pastor Darren now for over 10 years. And oh my gosh, Pastor Norman's known him for for way longer than that. Man, what faithfulness, what faith. And I said, man, I want my story to be like that. Not just that I have 60 acres. No, I want to be a faithful person like that. I want God to say, man, that's a person I can trust. Because just as much as other people are watching, God is watching as well. Oh, and I almost forgot one last thing. He was most recently given one acre of land in the middle of San Francisco, in the city. One acre of land with a church, multi-level, 
because, and again, the person said, because we've been watching you and we can trust you with this. What about us? Does God see that he can trust us with what we have? For faithful, God is more than faithful. And this is not prosperity gospel. This is the gospel. God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Can I hear an amen to that? And out of gratitude, again, it's always gratitude for the gospel. We say, Lord, everything we have is yours. How do you want to use me to send myself, to send my resources so that other people beyond me, people I may never, ever meet until heaven, will come to know you. Then one day I'll see them at the gates when we all stand before him together. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me as we come to a close? Father.